Amen. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter going to be reading in verse number 14, Ephesians chapter 3. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, I pray that you just work in the message this morning. Thank you for... Lord, just the beautiful singing, or the message of the song. Lord, if it were not for your grace, none of us would be here today. So, Father, we ask that you would just work through the message this morning, speak to hearts, and just draw us closer to you. Lord, may we know you more. And Lord, as we know you, may we love you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the privilege of being able to be in this auditorium this morning. And Lord, we pray that all that is done in this, in this building, in this room, would bring glory and honor to you. We pray that hearts would be convicted. We pray that souls would be saved. Lord, that you would just receive the glory through it all. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, as we began last week, we're looking at Saul's, or excuse me, Paul's second prayer. His first prayer we find in chapter 1, and um, his prayer is that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would be able to see spiritually the way that God desires for us to see. But this second prayer is not to be able to see, but to be what God wants us to be. But in order to be what God wants us to be, we have to see the way God wants us to see. And he says, as Paul is praying here, as he said in verse number 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying, he's asking God. And notice he says in verse 16 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. We talked a little bit about this last week that 
that phrase, according to the riches of his glory, means that there's, there's never a time that it will ever run out. What God is trying to bless us with, what God is trying to grant us, there's never a time when it will ever run out. According to the riches of his glory. And we saw last week, we looked at the strength of Christ. He says, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. To be able to go through life, we need His strength. To face the trials and difficulties and things of this life, we need His strength. But notice the second thing that He says, that He's praying that we would receive from God. Again, don't don't misunderstand this. It's being offered, but it's up to us whether we will receive it or not. God's strength is being offered, but He's not going to force it on us. We have to choose whether we'll receive it or not. And the second thing He says here, He says in verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The second thing that Paul prays that we would take is the abiding Christ. The abiding Christ. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I want us to just kind of basically look at this phrase this morning that he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Notice, first of all, he says that Christ, right? This is about what God has for us. As Again, I think about it as Paul is praying that God would grant to us according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith again if we're if we're going to see the things that God wants us to see I believe the very first thing that Paul is trying to get us to understand is this life is not about us it's about him it's about Christ He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And so when we think about this life that we are living, this is not a life that is just about you and me. This is a life about Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, Jesus Christ lived 2,000 years ago. And that's true. I understand that. But notice as we're going to begin looking at this, he talks about, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I wonder this morning, is Christ the focus of your life? Is Christ what your life revolves around? This is, this is what God is, is trying to give us. He says that He is offering this according to the riches of His glory, that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. Are we willing to let Christ be the, the center foremost in our life? Or do we allow things of this world and other things to, to be first? And He says here that Christ may dwell in your heart now please don't mistake what Paul is saying for salvation when he says that that Christ may dwell we might have this idea that that means he's talking about salvation when he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith but it is not referring to salvation this is not referring to someone accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior because again remember he's writing to believers who have already accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Remember back in chapter 1, he talks about who he's writing to. He's writing to the beloved. He's writing to these believers. He's writing to the saints, right? These are all people who have accepted Jesus Christ already. 
So if, if we have already accepted Christ, if these believers have already accepted Christ, then what is he saying when he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith? If that's not salvation, then what is it? Because, again, if he's writing to those who are saved and he's calling them saints and, and he's already talked in chapter 2 how that salvation is only by faith in Jesus Christ, but he says here that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Why would he say this? Now, please, before we, before we go a step further, let me just say this morning, if you are here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, may I say that is the most important thing. That's the most important thing, to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And we saw that back in chapter 2 and even in chapter 1. He talks about how a person is able to come to Jesus Christ, and yes, it is by faith. We still have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and he was willing to die on the cross for our sins so that we could put our faith in him. Because there's nothing that you and I can do to pay the penalty of sin. And the Bible tells us that every one of us are sinners. Every one of us deserve to die and go to hell. We deserve that. Because that's what we have done. We have, we have rejected God. We have turned away from God. And yet Jesus Christ was willing to come and die upon the cross for our sins so that he could take the payment for our sin so that we by faith could receive him and receive and accept that payment that he had made. But again, just as, as we said a moment ago, it's something that you and I have to choose to receive. He's not going to force us to receive salvation. He's not going to force us to accept his gift of eternal life. It must be by faith. If you've never done that today, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how to be saved. To show you how you can know for sure that heaven is your home to be with the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. But if he's writing to believers who've already done this, he says that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Why would he say this? When we look at the word dwell, it means to live. It means to take up residence, to abide. And again, we understand that when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, that Jesus Christ comes to live inside. He, he indwells us. He lives inside of us. The, the Holy Spirit of God indwells us. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. And so we know that Jesus is, is living inside of us. But this idea of dwelling has the idea of, of permanence. And yes, again, we understand that Jesus Christ will never leave. Once we accept Him as our Savior, He'll never leave us. We believe once we're saved, the Bible says he gives us eternal life, that eternal life can never be lost. But there's the idea of permanence, permanence. You see, it's not enough for Christ just to live in us, but does he really feel at home in us? Does he feel at home? When we accept Christ as our Savior, yes, we understand that He comes and lives in us, but is it His home? Does He really feel at home? I remember when we first, um, when we first arrived in Uganda back in 2002, and um, by the way, I'm going to get a lot more exercise up here. This is a much bigger platform. <laughs> I got to come all the way over here to talk to you guys over here, right? To get in this aisle. And, um, 
But I remember in 2002, when we first arrived in Uganda, we lived in the town of Shirodi where my parents were working for a few months till, till we got adjusted to the culture and to figure out where we were going to live. We knew the town that we were going to live in, but we were trying to figure out like a house and where, what part of the town and to start the church and things. And when we got there, there was a missionary that happened to be on furlough. In other words, that missionary had come back to the States for a few months, and his house was available. And so instead of trying to find our own house to try to rent for a few months, they invited us to stay in their home. Of course, we, we paid the rent, and we paid utilities, and we invited people over to our house while we were there in Sarodi. But it wasn't our home. It wasn't our home. We didn't feel at home. Do you know why? Because the pictures on the walls were not our pictures. They were their pictures. The books on the bookshelves were not my books. They were his books. I couldn't understand if I read him anyway. This guy was like a nuclear scientist, right? <laughs> the furniture that we used was not our furniture. The, the kitchen appliances in the kitchen were not our appliances. Oh, we lived there, but it just didn't feel like home. It was their plates, their cups. That we were using. Were we living in the house? Yes, we were living in the house. And we were very thankful for it. But it wasn't home. When we got to Mbali, we unpacked our things, we put our pictures up on the wall. My books got put on the bookshelf. Our furniture, we painted the walls the color that we wanted to paint them. We put the curtains up that we wanted to put up. It was our home. And so we wanted it to feel like home, and so we did all that we wanted to do to make it ours. I wonder... I wonder how the Lord feels. Oh, He's living inside of us. There's no doubt about that. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, He's living inside of us. But does He feel at home? Does He feel at home? I wonder if He thinks, I'm living here, but... I don't really recognize anything. I'm living in this person, but I don't recognize anything because everything here still belongs to the person that he saved. Our thoughts are still our thoughts. They're not his. Our actions are still our actions, not his. Our words are are still our words, not His. Do you understand what I'm saying? When He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, 
He's not saying that, as, that you need to be saved. No, these are people who have already accepted Jesus as their Savior. But does, when Jesus Christ is living inside of you, does he feel at home? Or does he feel like somebody who's just, hey, I'm living here, but I don't know what's going on. I don't know why they would say that because I wouldn't say that. I don't know why they would do that because I wouldn't do that. That's not the color that I would paint the wall. That's not the picture that I would put up in my house. That's not the music that I would listen to. That's not the places that I would go. And so Jesus is living inside of us, but he's just like, hey, I'm here, but I'm not abiding. I'm not dwelling in you. Oh, we're glad that he's living inside of us. But that's as far as we want it to go. We're glad that we're saved. We're glad that we're on our way to heaven. But we basically tell God, everything else is off limits, Lord. Oh, yeah, I'm glad I'm going to heaven. But, hey, I'll do what I want to do. I'll talk the way that I want to talk. I'll go where I want to go. I'll do what I want to do. I'll watch what I want to watch. I'll listen to what I want to listen to. I'll hang out with the friends that I want to hang out with. I'll do everything the way I want it to do, God. You just stay in your little corner and let me have the rest of the house. Friend, can I tell you, that's not what he wants. And this is what Paul is saying, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. His desire is to get rid of the old furniture. His desire is to get rid of the old pictures. His desire is to get rid of the old music and the books and the actions and the speech and the thoughts that are not his. You say, well, what right does he have to do that? He bought you. He bought you. He bought you, and the Bible says in 1 Peter, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What right does he have to say, hey, I don't want that wall painted that color. I don't want that picture up because you belong to him. It's his house, not yours. I didn't have any right to go and paint walls in Kyle's house. I didn't have any right to take furniture out and get rid of it. I didn't have any right to to do anything with his stuff because it wasn't mine. It still belonged to Kyle. It wasn't until we got our own house that we were able to do whatever we wanted to with it. You say, but, but you paid the rent. Yeah, I paid the rent. And I paid the utilities. Yep, I paid the utilities. So why couldn't you do it? Because it was still his house. This body that we have, if you're saved, does not belong to you. It is his house. And his desire is to dwell in you so that he is in full control, so that everything is about him. This is why when you hold your place here and go back with me to the book of John chapter 17, John chapter 17, John chapter 17. Notice what Jesus says, and again, this is, this is the, the prayer of Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' prayer as he's talking to the Father. 
And he says in verse number 23, I in them. What did Jesus just say? He's in us. And thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me, loved them as thou hast loved me. What is he saying? Jesus said, look, I am in them. He's talking to the Father. He says, Lord, just as much as you are in me, I am in them. And just as much as what Jesus did was according to the Father's will, not his own will, Jesus is saying, now I am in them, and I want them to yield to me. I want them to yield to my control. Let me live through you. This is what, this is what Paul says, uh, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but in Galatians 2.20. But think about, think about here in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, and, and many times we hear of, of this, this uh, the vine in John chapter 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? We, we understand this passage. We, we've read this passage before. And he says in verse 5, He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me he can do nothing. And we hear much about abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ, abiding in Christ. And that's important, friend. It's important that you and I as Christians, we abide in him. We, we dwell in him. But can I tell you, here's one thing we don't hear much about is the abiding Christ. Christ abiding in me. Did you notice he says both of them? He says, I in him. He says, he that abideth in me and I in him. Yes, we are to abide in Christ and we ought to enjoy the, the things of God and, and, and try to follow God and please the Lord. But here's the thing, none of that will happen unless he is abiding in us. If the abiding Christ is not in control, we'll never be able to abide in him. And this is what Paul is saying. He says, I'm praying that God would grant you according to the riches of his mercy that ye would abide, that Christ would abide in you. Yes, we understand we need to be in Christ. And praise God, when we were saved, we were placed into Christ and we can never lose our salvation. But he abiding in us. Not just, not just living, but is it, is it a permanent dwelling? Is this truly his home? Because if not, then we're telling the one who owns us, the one who bought us, that you have nothing to say. You have no right in this. And friend, you don't have a right to say that, and I don't have a right to say that. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is why Paul is saying, I'm praying that, you, that Christ would abide in you, that he would dwell in you. Now go back with me. Watch this. Look what he says in Ephesians. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So he starts with this strength that we need because we cannot live this life in our own but in order to have this strength, guess what we need? We need the abiding Christ. We need Christ abiding in us. Not just being able to say, hey, I'm saved. And, and look, please don't misunderstand me. I am in no way trying to say that salvation is not important. It is the most important thing. 
and that's why I said before, if you don't know for sure that you're saved, please, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved because that is the most important thing. But now that we're saved, it doesn't mean like now nothing has happened. No, everything has happened. Everything has changed. Now we belong to him. And his desire is that he would abide in us. But watch what he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. By faith. You see, just as we have received him by faith, so we have to choose by faith for him to abide in us. I hope that there was a time in your life when you chose to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But in that same manner as you had to make a choice to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, now as a Christian, you have to make a choice. Don't worry about it. We'll just go on without it. Like I said, hey, things are going to happen. Everything's new, right? It's not going to bother me, so don't let it bother you, okay? Where was I? No, I'm just kidding. He says, just like you have to make a choice to receive Jesus Christ by faith, you have to make a choice whether you will allow him to abide in you. And here's, here's the problem. It's our choice. It would have been so much easier for God just to say, hey, now they're saved. Now they have no choice. They have to do what I want them to do. But he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Now that they're saved and they know they belong to me, I want them to do what they should do. I want them to do what I want them to do. Not because they have to, but because they want to. Because they love me. You say, Pastor, are you saying if I, if I don't follow Jesus and do what he tells me to do, that I don't love him? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Friend, I'm not saying that you don't love him. I'm just saying if you're not willing to allow Christ to abide in you by faith, you don't love him most. You don't love him most. There's something else that you love more than what he has for you. There's something else that you love more that is keeping you, that is hindering you from making the choice to allow him to abide in you. And this is why he said it is by faith. It is a choice that we have to make. We have to be conscious of Christ within us. And when we are conscious that he is abiding in us, and when we are reminded that, and we have to be reminded of it daily, to be reminded that he is abiding in me, that this body is the temple of the living God. And as I am reminded of it and I am conscious of it, 
then by faith we're able to yield control of our lives over to him. Because as long as we are not conscious that he is living inside of us, as long as we are not remembering that this body belongs to him, we are going to be in control. We are going to say, this is what I want, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm, my plans, this is my desires, and so we will only do what we want. Let's face it. How many of us have tried to live the Christian life And it just seems like as hard as we try, we just can't imitate the life that Jesus lived. Am I the only one that feels that way? We've tried to live the Christian life. We've tried to imitate Jesus. Right? I mean, that's that's even what the word Christian means, to be like Christ, to imitate Christ, to be a little Christ. And so we try We try to be like him and we try to imitate him. And yet we fall. Why? Why? Friend, that is the very reason why we try to imitate Christ. And yes, we know the word Christian means to be like Christ. So then why do we have such a hard time? because we are trying to imitate him and we just can't do it how can we who are sinful imitate a sinless person how I mean let's let's just be honest how can we who are sinful think that somehow we can imitate someone who is sinless we don't expect our children when they're two years of age to do everything that we do I mean they're only two there's no way that they can they they can't do the same things that an adult can do but yet somehow we think that we can imitate Christ we can live the Christian life Friend, can I tell you what needs to be done is to understand that we cannot imitate Christ. We cannot live the Christian life. What needs to be done is to allow Him to abide in us by faith so that He can live His life through us. It's not about us living the Christian life. It's not about us imitating Christ because we can't. It's about us yielding to him, letting him abide in us so that he can live his life through us. This is what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but, the, but, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. He said, it's not about me. I cannot imitate Christ. I cannot follow him the way that I should. And so therefore, I have to yield myself to him so that he can live through me. This is what Paul is saying. I'm praying that you, as believers, that that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Will we yield ourselves to say, God, I can't do it. And yes, we may have tried and we come to realize we can't do it. 
And then that brings us to the realization that, hey, I can't live a perfect life, but he can. I can't live a sinless life, but he can. And so I'm just going to yield to him and let him live his life through me. You say, Pastor, are you saying you're, ever, you're going to be perfect and sinless? No, because I still have this flesh. I, there are going to be times when I'm going to say, God, you're not in control, and I'm in control. And I take the reins back over. I, I push God out of the way, and I take control again. And guess what? I fall, and I sin. And you know what I have to do? I have to step back and say, that was me. That was me. I was trying to do it. I was trying to lead. I was trying to do it my way. And God, I did not yield to you. I did not let you live through me. Think about what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, there, there are some verses in the Bible that that I call my life verses. Life verses meaning they're, they're ones that really just mean something to me. Obviously, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is probably one of my, my favorite life verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Hey, God's got it. He's in control. We just got to trust him. But another one is here in Philippians chapter 1. And, and may I just say, may I just say, just because that is, those are, these are some of my life verses doesn't mean I do them the way that I should. You might have a life verse, and you might have a verse that says, man, that really means something to me, but that doesn't mean we're always going to do what we know we should. See, that's where it's the choice. We have to choose whether we're going to, by faith, let him lead, let him be in control. But watch what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. I guess I should turn there. I told you to. I didn't. Here we go. Philippians chapter 1. Notice what he says in verse number 20. He said, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now think about what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying there, there's nothing greater that I desire that, that Christ would be magnified in my body. So when Paul is saying that he wants Christ to be magnified, what is he saying? He's saying that he does not want to be seen. That he wants Christ to be seen, not himself. He says, it is my prayer, my desire that Christ would be magnified in my body. He said, whether it's in life, whether it's in death, whatever, I want Christ to be seen through me. I don't want Paul to be seen. I want Christ to be seen. And this is why Paul was able to say in verse number 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live, Paul says, is Christ. To live is not me. To live is not my desires. To live is not my ambitions. It's not my dreams. It's, it's not the things that I want. He says, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die? <laughs> what have I lost? He says, to die is gain. To die, that means, hey, 
I, I'm out of, I, I don't sorrow anymore. I'm not hurting anymore. To die means I'm with the Lord Jesus Christ. How, how bad is that? But he says to live then is Christ. I wonder... Do we allow Christ to abide in our hearts by faith in such a way that we would say that I want Christ to be magnified in all that I do? Friend, do you understand? If, if we're going to say that, then that means, <laughs> and again, understanding the picture, he gets to pick the paint that goes on the walls. He gets to pick the pictures that go up. He gets to pick what furniture goes in the house. He gets to pick what to listen to. He gets to pick where I go. He gets to pick what job I have. He gets to pick all these different things. Why? Because I want Christ to be magnified in my body. I want Christ to be magnified in everything. Why? For to me to live is Christ. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You see, the more that we are aware of and conscious of Christ within us, the more we will walk and live in Christ and let Him live through us. Do you really want to know how to live the victorious Christian life? You really want to know how to have that abundant life that Scripture teaches us? We say we do, but I don't think we really mean it. I want that abundant life. I want that victorious life that Jesus speaks about. I want those things. Well, friend, here's the secret. It's the abiding Christ. Not abiding in Christ. It is the abiding Christ. Christ, allowing Christ to dwell in your hearts by faith. Can I tell you something? When you are allowing Christ to abide in your heart by faith and you are letting him control and you are letting him lead, when temptation comes, guess what's going to happen? He's going to be in control. And you will be able to get victory over it. Man, that abundant life, man, that, that joyful life that even as Paul, as, as a, a believer and the apostle, all, all the things that he went through, the, the trials, the imprisonments, the beatings, and yet he was able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. How? Paul, how could you do that? How could you say that? Paul says, it's not me. It's the abiding Christ. Christ abiding in me. Christ living through me. In my flesh, Paul says, I can't say rejoice in the Lord always. In my flesh, Paul says, I can't, I can't do the things that I want to do. He tells us in Romans. He says, the things that, that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, I do. And we've all experienced that. So then how do we get victory how do we have that abundant life? This is what he says. He says, I'm praying. Paul tells us this. 
I'm praying that God would grant you according to the riches of His mercy, the riches of His grace, to be strengthened with might by the inner man, by His Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I wonder, friend, is Christ dwelling in your heart? I didn't ask if you're saved. Now, again, I hope you're saved this morning. But if you're saved, is Christ dwelling in your heart? Or have we just confined him to some room in our life and said, you just stay there and the rest of the house is mine? Wait a minute, friend. He bought you. He bought you. And his desire is that he would abide in you. Will we let Christ abide in us by faith? It's a choice we have to make. Whether we will yield to him or we will say, nope, my life, I want to live it the way I want to. But friend, when you do that, don't be surprised when you fall. Don't be surprised that you have no joy and no peace, really nothing to live for. Why? Because you're not letting Christ abide in you. I wonder whether heads bowed and her eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder, friend, this morning, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you here today and you say, Pastor Andrew, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. But I would like to know how I could be saved. I would like to know how I could have a relationship with him. I'd sure like to know how my sins could be forgiven. Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. But I'd like to know more about that. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you this morning. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm saved. Just slip it up and put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. Yes, God bless you. Someone else. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. Friend, in just a moment, we'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. Christian, can I ask you a question this morning? You're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know there's been a time in my life when I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know there's no doubt in my mind. I know that I'm saved. I know that if I died this very moment, not because I'm in church or not because I'm good or anything, but I know that if I died right now, I'd be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because I've accepted him as my Savior. You say, Pastor, that's me. I know that. There's no doubt in my mind. Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I know that. No doubt in my mind. I know I'm saved. Wonderful. Praise God. Then, Christian, can I ask you? You know that you're saved, and that's wonderful. But do you have the abiding Christ? Well, I know he's living within you. But is it his home? 
Is it his home or are you still trying to control? Have we yielded to him or are you still trying to do what you want in your life? Paul says that he's praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It's your choice, friend. He cannot force you. He cannot make you do it. But he wants you to. He wants you to experience that victorious life. He wants you to experience the abundant life. But it is only when we let him abide in us. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak to hearts. Lord, for Christians, that we would understand the importance of the abiding Christ. Lord, thank you that we are in you. We can never lose our salvation. You've given us eternal life. We can never lose that because we are in you. Lord, we know that you are living in us. Lord, for many Christians this morning, maybe even many here today, we're not letting you abide in us. We're not letting you control. We're not letting you make the decisions in your house. Father, would you help us this morning to yield to you? Lord, for those that have raised their hand this morning that aren't saved, I pray that you would help them to come. We can show them from the Word of God how they can be saved. Bless now in the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand quietly to our feet this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the piano is just going to play softly.